What's up? Welcome to season three. It is good to be back. I hope everyone is doing fantastic. We got some great guests lined up for you in the months ahead, but before I get to any of that, I'm going to start with a few nuggets of good news, courtesy of thegoodnewsnetwork.com. Why not? Who doesn't love some random good news? First up, thanks to a biochemist named Mari Granstrom, we, the world, has a way to turn algae into a replacement for plastics. It's true. Granstrom discovered that certain components of algae have similarities to petroleum-based chemicals, and these similarities allow the algae to be substituted using techniques that already exist in any kind of products that usually require petroleum-based materials. We're talking cosmetics, artificial textiles, detergents, packing materials, fertilizer, that friggin' fertilizer, and certain food products. Her organization, Origins by Ocean, is currently developing a way to scale this process so it can be used globally. Pretty cool. Next, we move to the Indian state of Assam on the borders of Tibet and China and Myanmar. Why, you ask? Well, because for the first time since 1977, not a single rhinoceros has been poached in any of the four national parks that house the remaining 2,900 single-horn rhino. Back in 2021, a new chief minister issued a decree that while under his watch, these animals would be protected like never before, and the dude kept his promise. Local fishermen and farmers were given cell phones to report the poachers, and those tactics allowed the rhino to come back from the brink of extinction. Right now, the poachers are being poached on a weekly basis. Kudos to you, sir. And last but not least, 2023 bids adieu to the year of the tiger. I know you're sorry to see it go. And ushers in the year of the rabbit, but not just any rabbit, the water rabbit. Normally, the year of the rabbit is associated with wood, of course, except when it includes the number three when it becomes the water rabbit. Water rabbits, who knew? Famous water rabbits include Michael Jordan, Albert Einstein, Angelina Jolie, and David Beckham. When you look at the horoscopes for the water rabbit year ahead, nothing is congruent. There's no overlap. They all say completely different things. It is a great year to have a baby. It's a terrible year to have a baby. It's a great year to start a business. And yes, it's the worst possible year to start the business. You can expect incredible challenges ahead, or you can expect incredible rewards. Why are we even discussing this? Good luck, rabbits. Season three, here we are, and 2023 is just a couple of months old. How you doing? Did you make any resolutions? Are they still in play? Either way, I hope all is well. At the end of season two, you might remember a lot of talk about magic and antenna and receiving stuff from the universe. I blame Rick Rubin. That all stemmed from Rick's fantastic book, The Creative Act. I also mentioned Bono's book, Surrender, and shortly after the season ended, I devoured both of them. I needed a creative booster shot, and both of these books delivered. I mentioned it before, but the break we take between seasons is not a break at all. We may not be publishing episodes every week, but I use the time to flush out new storylines, research and book guests, create new artwork. I try to use the time to get as far ahead of the production schedule as I can. I spend a lot of time thinking about the show, what it looks like going forward, how do we grow, and then what stories do I want to tell? Well, kids, it's story time. So there's this guy, a king, part god, part mortal. His name is Gilgamesh, and he's not a nice guy. 
He rules over his kingdom as a tyrant, taking women as he pleases and living in a perpetual state of war. Then there's this other guy called Enkaidu. He is Gilgamesh's equal, but they're not pals. Enkaidu is sent to kill him. Instead, after a heated confrontation, the men become best friends and set off to follow Gilgamesh's campaign of various conquests, the biggest being immortality. Then there's a goddess, of course, who sends the bull from heaven to punish Gilgamesh for spurning her advances. Blowing off a goddess is never cool. Gilgamesh and Enkaidu kill the bull of heaven. You know what they say, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. And in return, Enkaidu got the horns. He was sentenced to death. When Enkaidu is killed, Gilgamesh realizes the importance and frailty of life. He discovers that immortality can only come through the people he rules. He then abandons his hollow pursuits, transforms himself, and returns to his throne a hero. Have you heard this story before? If you haven't, I'm sure you recognize the theme. Bad guy turns good. Could be Lord of the Rings or some other mythical drama from one of Hollywood's biggest names, but it's not. It's a story from 4,000 years ago. The Epic of Gilgamesh is widely considered the first recorded piece of literature, and Best Guess has it written sometime between 2000 and 1500 BCE. Why are we talking about this? Well, because today's episode is all about the power of story. And I'm not just talking about the stories as they pertain to historical context. I'm talking about all of our individual stories as they relate to what's come before and what's yet to come. As you know, if you've listened to the trailer of this show, I am obsessed with stories. And I'm fascinated that a story told nearly 4,000 years ago can be adapted with little effort to fit modern times. In fact, Gilgamesh has been adapted and interpreted in modern literature dozens of times and is credited as being the prototype for Hercules and as the influence for Homer's epics. In 1947, Hermann Cassock used the Epic of Gilgamesh as a metaphor for post-war Germany in his novel City by the River. And in 2016, the New York Times editorial contest winner Annie Cohen took the prize with her editorial, The Resurrection of Gilgamesh, in which she said, the problem is that fame however short-lived, is in the grasp of every young human who has access to the internet. Everybody must have his or her name known. Everybody must know who is doing what to feed our Gilgamesh complex. Pretty amazing, right? I know, I got off on a bit of a tangent there, and my point was not to put forth a thesis on the epic of Gilgamesh. I simply wanted to point out the fact that no matter how far back in the human experiment you travel, even to the very first piece of literature ever discovered, you'll find a theme that is relevant and powerful today. I'm curious why each generation sees a need to reinterpret stories from the past. With the same themes, love, war, internal conflict, redemption, and yes, immortality. Think about all of the stories ever told. Think about the amount of knowledge and information that's been compiled. All of the interpretations, calculations, and misalignments. Everything any of us ever needs to know about ourselves and our world has, it seems, been written and then rewritten. Da Vinci, Darwin, Einstein, the debates are as vast as the universe, and yet we are still discovering the undiscovered and telling the story in a new way. Look at the Old Testament. Adam and Eve, the kids eat the forbidden fruit, the apple. They're expelled from the Garden of Eden, and we've been paying for it ever since. Is it ironic? 
that I'm typing this episode on a computer made by one of the biggest corporations in the world that has, as its logo, an apple with a conspicuous bite. Homer, Shakespeare, Twain, Jane Austen, Anne Rand, and on and on. These are the stories of our history, humanity's encyclopedia. So where am I going with this? Well, every time I put together one of these solo episodes, I get ensnared in the message. I transition from writer to listener. I start asking questions. Then I wonder what it is that I just revealed about myself. I have to constantly extract myself, rescue myself from my own content. If I didn't have to perform so many rescue missions, these would be a lot easier. Listening to past episodes with the intent to hear what we've done so that we can do something better in the future, I find that I'm the traveler in rediscovering discovery, searching for ways to see things with new eyes. In the best advice episode, I'm the person who feels the need to help when somebody simply wants to talk. And in Rise and Shine, I'm telling myself that everything will be okay. And here, I'm wondering if I'm ready to go deep enough to see the truth about my own story that I've been telling. I constantly talk about this thing called the process. The process is a series of actions. And after a considerable number of years, the trail you've left behind is the story. At the beginning of any process, before you've begun anything, you operate with a certain naivete, vision clouded by enthusiasm. You don't know what you don't know. You tell yourself a future story about how you're going to discover it. As Rumi wrote, walk and the way will appear. But as Malcolm Gladwell wrote, the key to innovation is delusion. But once the delusion wears away and you understand what you've gotten yourself into, you begin to understand the process and at the same time, exactly what you didn't know about what you didn't know. The story then changes. And that brings us back to the one constant. Story. It's always and has always been about the story. The stories we tell create the life we live in. They're the scripts to our movie, and every single day we tell stories that chronicle our triumphs and tragedies, successes and failures, powerful moments and vulnerable moments, where we're both hero and villain. Every day, we tell stories about our life, our work, past achievements, future goals, our lovers, families, health, and all of these little stories serve to reinforce what we believe about ourselves. They influence how those around us see us. As the storytellers who came before us did, we tell stories to help us better understand the world around us. And we tell stories so that we too may be better understood. And that story can live for an hour, a day, a year, or a lifetime. Sometimes we don't even realize we're telling a story, nor do we recognize that story's immediate effect. And now that we're so deep into this, are you wondering how much of the story you're telling about yourself is true? How much of it is deeply rooted in fiction that you're telling without even noticing? I'll tell you what, I'll go first. But before I do that, let's circle back a bit for the sake of context, as if that's even possible at this point. In addition to Rick Rubin's and Bono's books, I read Nick Cave's new book, Faith, Hope, and Carnage. Nick's an Australian singer, songwriter, and a poet. The first page of his book is what inspired this entire episode. It's an interview-style memoir, and the first question to Nick is about his story. The interviewer says, 
I'm surprised you agreed to do this, given you haven't done interviews for a very long time. And Cave responds, who wants to do interviews? They suck. After a while, you just get worn away by your own story. It only ever took something away. I always had to recover a bit afterwards. It was like I had to go looking for myself again. Okay, so my antenna picked up on that. Telling my story only ever took something away. Hmm. Like I had to go looking for myself again. Interesting. I spent some time with those statements. And then I Googled myself. Not, not out of vanity. I wanted the public picture of me. Most of it was the story I created. And then, of course, there were the stories that others told. And then I went to my website and clicked around. And I tried my best to see it with new eyes in a completely different perspective. That's hardly possible, but I tried. My intention has always been that my website would be a place where people could find my music, my books, and be a point of contact. What I saw was absolutely not that. The story on my website had nothing to do with current me. It was like a memorial to a guy who died a long time ago. The more time I spent clicking around, the more I felt myself transporting backwards in time. You know, it was like the parachute on one of those top fuel dragsters. The thing is jetting down the drag strip at 200 miles an hour and bang, chute opens and it immediately slows. The ass end starts to swerve, fun's over. Well, for me, as I move forward through life, changing, hopefully growing and adapting, this digital parachute jerks me backwards into a story that really has nothing to do with who I am at this very moment. I haven't released a new book in two years, recorded music in over a decade. Why are these things still even there? What's the story? That's a rhetorical question, of course. Logically, I understand the answer. I'm proud of the work. I always felt like there were credibility markers. Look at what I've done. Here's what I'm capable of. Hire me. Let's work together. But as I see it now, none of it has anything to do with who I am today or where I want to go tomorrow. It's an old story that doesn't have any connection to my current life. It's a false narrative. As Nick Cave says, it wears me away a little. That parachute that immediately slows my forward motion. And if I spend too much time there, I would definitely feel the need to go looking. I used to view this journey as one long story with many different chapters. But maybe life isn't just a bunch of chapters in the same book. Maybe it's a collection of entirely different books. Jim Lair, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Power of Story, Change Your Story, Change Your Destiny in Business and Life, writes, Stories make sense of chaos. They organize our many divergent experiences into a coherent thread. They shape our entire reality. And far too many of our stories are dysfunctional and in need of serious editing. And now it's your turn. How much of the story you're telling about yourself is true? Though I've not always been successful at doing it, I've always believed we can overwrite the story of us if it no longer fits the narrative, ours or other people's. But if we continue to tell the same story, the same story will be told. I believe that everyone has two stories, the one we tell ourselves and those around us, and the one we wish we could tell. Which one are you going to tell? Hey, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you're hearing, please spread the word. 
We're listener supported, so leaving a review on Apple or Spotify really helps. If you want to listen to past episodes or find out how you can support the show, head over to themindunset.com. Okay, I'll be here next week. I hope you will too. Until then, be nice, do good stuff.